What is up, world? And welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined as always by Charlie Bud, and today we're here continuing the conversation we started last week on all things Quentin Tarantino. We knocked out the first six of his films, and today we're here to carry it through and pull in those last three. So, Bud, we're kicking it off with Django, circa 2012. What you got? Well, Palmer, uh, Django is kind of the movie that really, I think, yeah, it was kick-starting my interest in Tarantino, I think, it was uh, Django. That's when I, I think I mentioned on the previous episode where, uh, leading up to Django, I was watching Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, uh, Inglorious Bastards, which I actually think I didn't see until after uh, Django came out, um, now that when I thought about it a little bit more. And, yeah, I think that was it. I saw Kill Bill later as well. But, yeah, Django. Django, Django, Django. I think this might be one of my favorite uh, Tarantino movies. Um, Good call. Good call. (laughs) I I don't know. It's just something about this movie. It's just it's a lot of fun, a lot of really great performances, uh, you know, from Jamie Foxx to uh, Christoph Waltz to Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, um, I just like the entire revenge story kind of liberation story from Jamie Foxx's end and just, like, going around uh you know just killing slave owners who who doesn't <laughs> like that you know um fantastic fantastic work it's it's just a great movie to watch it's uh got some really great co- uh dialogue good comedy you know i on tarantino it's another thing that i feel like we haven't really touched on maybe is that he writes damn good dialogue yeah and, yeah um, let's, let's talk about that for a second though but what was your favorite or one of your favorite sequences or just kind of bits of uh, conversating between any of the characters that stood out for you. In this um, the one that really, the one that re- I remember from like Django particularly. I mean, there's a couple of scenes like any scene with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is always yes. just kind of, was always kind of like a uh, what was his name something Monsieur something. Calvin Candy. Calvin Candy, that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, the scene where like. It's such a brief moment, but like Jonah Hill is in it. Oh my gosh, uh, and dude. They're like the clan members. And I thought that was just pretty funny. He's like, Are we the bad guys? <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's like, So what's the plan? I think the bags were a good idea, but I think it's next. I'm like, These are all questions you really have to ask if you're ever in a situation like that. Oh it's my pretty gosh. funny. Um, so funny. But favorite sequences, yeah, I don't know. Everything about Tarantino movies, like the one thing I always point to, the, are the like the big shootout scenes. So for me, mm-hmm. uh, is the climax of Django Unchained when like Jamie Foxx just goes into um, the the manor and just like oh, absolutely cool. executes, like kills everybody. It's a bloodbath. So, oh my gosh, actually, so wait, I guess we didn't. Everybody oh. who's listening right now, there may or may not be spoilers. Sorry. You were warned probably last week, but in case if you're, you're listening to part now, two and you didn't listen to part true, one, you, you should have known by now that you messed <laughs> like, up. Who literally is like, let me just start part two and then I'll go back and do part one. No, no, okay. No, so no, we're, no. We're, we're pretty good. We're pretty yeah. good in this. We're but um, wait, so you're thinking about the that's the second shootout in Candyland when he goes back and literally just like yeah, ends yeah. It? I think it's like nighttime or something. Okay, yeah. Cause yeah. The first time he lit them up, but he got captured. So yeah, yeah. Second time. That was but good. That what are your good. thoughts, though, on Django? All right. So Django is my number three. Actually, sorry, my number two Tarantino okay. movie. 
Oh man, for a number of reasons, kind of like yourself. So I'd seen at this point, I'd seen Kill Bill, and I had seen Inglorious Bastards. But I saw this. I remember it was crazy. In 2010, it was the summer going into okay, maybe it was 2011, going into junior year of high school. Somebody said, "Oh, Quentin Tarantino's writing this flick with Will Smith, and he's gonna be a like a freed slave who's gonna be lighting up, you know, uh, slave owners." I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool, like a bounty hunter." And uh, well, everybody may or may not know that it was originally written for Will Smith, but he declined the uh, the film. So Jamie Foxx. But so I was. I actually did not moment. know that about. I didn't know Will Smith was set. I didn't know that. You just. Oh no! Yeah, no. So apparently, uh, Tarantino wrote it with him in mind, and people in Will's. That's what I've read. People in Will's camp were like, yo, you should take it. And he's like, eh, not really for me. Who knows? Maybe a lot of times when that happens, Tarantino ends up getting them later on down the road. And mm-hmm. if he does end up doing another flick, uh, maybe we'll see Will Smith in it. But I'm glad that Jamie Foxx did it because I think he did a, an awesome job with the strong silence. I, it wasn't really so much driven by him, per se, as is as it was the characters around him and him just reacting to it. So for that reason, I loved it. I love a good revenge flick, so you know lighten them up and then like you said there were those moments that were particularly light just comedic back and forths just things that i mean the fact that he could choose whatever outfit he wanted to when his like was his costume as a yeah. bounty hunter and he chose this you know crazy blue outfit and yep. i was like what, what are you wearing bro i mean that's that's <laughs> just and it was a reference actually to a painting called the blue boy I had to to guess that it it must have been a reference to something. Yeah, Yeah, it's I mean, classic Tarantino. But, Mm. dude, love the sequences. I mean, this man was lighting them up. And it put it's funny. Quentin Tarantino says he's never written a character he doesn't like except for Calvin Candy. He said he actually loathes Calvin Candy. So uh, originally he's a pretty loathsome character. So, yeah, dude, he was a complete (laughs) a-hole. Golly. He was evil. <laughs> yeah, every possible turn he had, every opportunity he had to be a decent guy, he said, "No, I don't need that. Let me just make it all messed up and mean and evil." Mm-hmm. And uh, originally, Tarantino had wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play the role that Christoph Waltz played in *Inglorious Bastards*, but I think he declined. So Christoph Waltz got it, and then he actually wrote this with Leonardo DiCaprio in mind, and Leo took it. So yeah. so glad he did that. I mean, I think in this film, two people were nominated for Oscars: Christoph Waltz, who ultimately won, and I think Leo was nominated for Calvin Candy. Was and then Samuel awesome. Jackson turned in a great performance. Yeah. I mean, everybody was doing their thing, dude. So it was very very entertaining, very very entertaining. But I'm curious. And so you said that a scene that stands out to you is the shootout. What do you oh, think is the quintessential? Django scene, the one that you can watch and say, "Okay, this is." We'll put the whole movie into perspective for you. Um, hmm. quintessential uh, Django yeah. scene. Uh, tough question. I mean, uh, I don't really think about this one because it has been a while since I've seen this movie. Okay, fair. fair. Um, I saw it last probably in college at some point. Oh. Yeah, it's um, been a minute. It has been a minute. I mean, I haven't seen like. You know, Tarantino movie like in a long time. <laughs> mm. Like, I guess the last one I saw was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood okay. in theaters. Was the last time I saw one. But the uh, did you see Django in theaters or did you see it at home? I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good yeah. Yeah. Experience. Way back in the day, it was my first experience as a Tarantino movie in theaters. Even though I'm pretty sure, in, well, Inglorious Bastards came out in like 2009 or eight or something. Yeah. Little. I was a little too young to probably go see that <laughs> in theaters. Um, I would have been like 14, but, 
what, what was that? oh so quintessential scene in Django? Hmm. I don't know. I my mind goes back to there's like a lot of scenes that really stick out to me. It's when maybe Jamie Foxx's character meets Kel, um, Calvin Candy for the first time. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, like you know that really like I think sets the tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you know you get to like you you have these people squaring off in in a sense, and you see kind of the literal monster that is Calvin Candy because I think he <laughs> walks into like you know human fighting, like human dog fighting or something, and it's just yep. like what the what the hell is happening? <laughs> and um, yeah, and then Leonardo DiCaprio is just putting on like. A really great performance because like in that in the first couple of seconds you're like this guy's just evil like he's just <laughs> an awful human and um and i think jamie fox does a pretty good job because he can kind of he doesn't really say it but like you know you can see the like contempt on his face and stuff so um i think Definitely. that for me is like kind of the big scene uh is like the moments leading up to that too like when he's like on a horse and he's seeing all like you know the enslaved people and they're kind of like looking at him and and he's just like, I think he's riding on a horseback, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're just like, what the, like, what's happening here? Um, <laughs> so, what about you, though? What's your, like, uh, quintessential scene? Oh, man. For me, I would probably have to say the moment where they're on that first bounty. I think they're looking for the Brittle Brothers. Mm-hmm. And because Django came from the plantation where they were yeah. working, so he knows what they look like. And so they were about to whip somebody. And then he just shows up and he's like, John Brittle. <laughs> And the guy turns and you see him in his blue outfit and he proceeds to obviously yeah. kill the man. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was, that's probably it. Cause it's just, it's the start of, Oh, now he's, he's not slave Django. He's bounty hunter Django. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I forgot. He like, yeah, like, there's, I forgot about that progression where he's like, he gets, he gets off the plantation, kind of becomes a free man. And then he like, he becomes a bounty hunter and like, he just, before he kind of like gets wrapped up in like the Calvin candy conflict, you see him do a couple of bounties and it's just like, mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. What a badass. Like, <laughs> like, he's getting it. He's getting it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So wait, where does uh, Django rank in your Tarantino filmography? Hmm. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember what I said last week if I already said <laughs> I had a favorite movie. Um, it might be one or two. Okay. Um, for, it's for. definitely one of my favorite movies from Tarantino. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um yeah, man, I'm really trying to remember what I said last week. Cause I, I remember should've... you said that your number one was probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, oh, although yeah. you were willing to put Pulp Fiction in there. Yeah, I was. Okay, so that that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'd probably put Django definitely in the top three for sure. Uh, maybe one or two, like maybe two. So Okay. So, yeah. Okay, that's, that's a reminder. That's yeah. a reminder. Perfect. Great minds think alike. But, uh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, you said yours is your second. What was your first again, Pulp Fiction? Yep, Pulp yep. Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Like, that's okay. the, that is the Tarantino flick. Yeah. But no, per- and it's funny that we're so hype about this particular film because the follow-up. <laughs> the follow-up movie. Was The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm smiling because it's the weird thing is it's not a bad flick. It's, it's just bad. in comparison to the other stuff Tarantino's put out before. Yeah. It's not my favorite. You know, I'm going to let you... Did you see it in theaters? I did. I saw the, like, like the extended version in theaters where you, like, you got the 15-minute intermission and stuff. It was kind of cool. So, 
Hateful Eight. All right. Definitely not one of my favorite Tarantino movies. And maybe it deserves a rewatch. But I know it's also like three hours long. It um, is. Because I have not rewatched the movie since I saw it in theaters. So oh, I'm just going to put that out there. Definitely going to be a little blurry, especially since the entire movie basically takes place in one part. So uh, I just remember what I felt at the time and how mm. I didn't. I walked out of that theater not particularly enjoying it. However, leading up to the movie, um, I was really hyped for it, right? I mean, it's Tarantino, hard not to be. But I also, oh, my camera's going out of focus for, uh, uh, but it was hard not to be hyped for uh, this kind of movie because Tarantino not only was doing another Western, which I thought was interesting. I know he loves doing Westerns and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think before he did, or after he did Django, he said he wanted to do another Western. Little did I know it was going to be his literal next movie. (laughs) Um, But I was hyped for it because he was going to, he wanted to recapture like old cinema because that's, Mm -hmm. that is just like, as we said so many times on the last podcast, that is so very much a Tarantino thing. Uh, So he wanted to like, you know, if you don't know, movies back in the day, used to my camera will not focus it's so obnoxious um <laughs> movies back in the day used to be like super long like it was an all-day uh, affair like you would be at the theater for like five six hours a day like movies like gone with the wind are like five hours but you would get um intermissions breaks and stuff like that uh but movies, I guess over time, I don't really know why, have kind of moved away from that model into, in a way, shorter stories uh, can be told. Um, so Tarantino wanted to recapture that. He wanted to like have like this super long movie, have an intermission and stuff like that. But I'm rambling. But Palmer, why don't you kick us off here a little bit? Tell us what you thought about The Hateful Eight. <laughs> Oh, man, no, you're, you're good. No rambling at all. I was going to say that for me, I did not see The Hateful Eight in theaters. I actually saw it on DVD oh. in my home. And that might have been that might have colored my experience a little mm. bit. But I don't think it colored it a crazy amount just based on what I've heard from others. Um, so, yeah, no, kind of like what you said. I didn't, I didn't watch any of the trailers going into it. I kind of wanted to go in there blind. And at first, you see a series of other scenes, but at the end of the day, it all comes to this one, what do they call it? It's not an apothecary, but basically, it's a place that's a general store. Isn't it like a, oh, I thought it was like an inn or something. I thought it was, it had some some crazy name. (laughs) But no, essentially, so it goes there, and what I love about the Tarantino movies is that when he takes scenes out of time and it all contributes to the one overarching Mm storyline it makes sense for this particular film and actually so this particular film for me didn't feel quite as additive when you saw all of those scenes coupled with the fact that i didn't realize this so this script actually got leaked before i didn't know that yeah and so he was on the fence about just not making it um he had a table read with the actors And he saw how excited they got about it. And then Samuel L. Jackson apparently managed to talk him into doing it. But he changed up some. I think he changed the ending as well. But I think that, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, minimized some of the things he would have been able to do with it beforehand had it not been leaked. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just wasn't. I'm very particular about if you're going to have the one location for the duration of a film, make it as interesting as possible. And obviously there were some colorful, kooky characters in there. 
but at the same time, it wasn't something that really drew me in. And now, mind you, I know other cinephiles out there would be like, no, what are you talking about? This is the greatest Tarantino movie of all time. Okay. Yeah. Please, hey, go People for People like sure. those chamber dramas, man. People love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I like Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson's movie, which is a, another chamber drama, but... I think you touched on it a little bit uh, for Hateful Eight is that it was just like the characters were uh, not that, you know, like they they were kooky and stuff. But like to me, the entire like essence of the plot wasn't that interesting from what I remember. I just remember kind of feeling it was a little drawn out. Mm, Good way to put it. And... um, it, it, it just and I was like it needs to I, it was a there was a pacing issue and I think chamber dramas like to be successful need to have good pacing and this is a three hour movie so also the name of the store was Minnie's Haberdashery from facts from facts <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> I don't even know what that necessarily means so I guess it's like a general store yeah I think so I know they were selling candy because somebody mentioned like candy cane or something like that so mm-hmm. i'm like okay cool but see another thing too is that in terms of thinking about some of the other characters that tarantino has created i mean you got a number of notable ones just from the past pulp fiction is littered with um i mean just all his other films even if you're looking at like a jackie brown or even a kill bill the bride slash yeah. beatrix kiddo but like name <laughs> name one character from hateful eight like, can you remember the name? I'll even let you nope. use the, the monikers they use. Okay. Nope. Yep. I can't see? even. I can't even remember any other names or the monikers, um, literally at all. None whatsoever. Um, I only remember Kurt Russell was the hangman. That was that was it. Okay, I, I forgot Kurt Russell was in the movie. Oh. Um, I, I do <laughs> remember that Tim Roth was in it because I was like, this is another reason I was excited because I'm like, wow, the return of Tim Roth. Yeah, like, dude. A, a old school Tarantino, Absolutely. like OG coming back, and I was like, okay. yes, and um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said yes, and then no. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But like, other than that, though, like. You have Samuel L. Jackson, who's like literally a Tarantino staple. Who, oh, absolutely! Funny enough, was actually not in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, that was like I think that's the first movie he's not in, other than maybe Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs. Yeah, I think you're right because um, he even did the voiceover for Inglorious Bastards. Oh yeah, he did do the voiceover for Inglorious Bastards, so he kind of had a part. I was gonna say, was he in Inglorious Bastards? But because I don't remember him in that, if he was. Um, but yeah, every uh, like, but so this is like a movie that didn't have a lot of you know mainstay uh, Tarantino people. Cause I don't know if he's worked with like Kurt Russell or Walter Goggins or uh, Death Proof Jennifer Jason Lee Russell. or anyone like that too often. Hmm. Yeah, so it was an interest interesting cat. Oh, oh wait, the dude, the whole the one guy. Oh, well, he's actually in Django. Let me think. Um, what is his name? Oh my goodness. Also, it's <laughs> it's not funny. But uh when you look at the cast for some of these films, you'll see because he was a uh I guess a producer slash part of the Harvey Weinstein, it was actually in every single Quentin Tarantino movie with the exception of I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that was the first time he actually wasn't involved in a The Weinstein. 
yeah 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 this is the final film for the weinstein company um which you know i get because after the hateful eight which came out in what like 2015 16 um 15 2015 december christmas of 2015 right 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 um he doesn't do once upon a time in hollywood till like 2019 it's like four years tarantino had a huge hiatus there yeah huge but um and like obviously all of the weinstein stuff happened in between that so yeah Uh, yeah how do you feel about quentin tarantino casting himself in some of his films i'm curious because sometimes directors do that Mm -hmm. and sometimes they miss (laughs) I'd say probably case in point was um, for me Chinatown when Roman Polanski was in there and his I think his name was Guy with Knife and he's Guy the one that ultimately knife. yeah cuts. I don't know I'm not I'm not like too some directors just like to kind of like put cameos of themselves in like I, I feel like that more than often than not they do like Martin Scorsese does usually oh, yeah, pretty yeah. mildly he will put himself in his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tarantino really likes to give himself a role, which I think is <laughs> Dude, Reservoir it, Dogs. Case in point, yeah, Reservoir Dogs. He he even has a role in Django. He yeah, I mean, he, um, he has a role. I actually forget his role in uh, Hateful Eight. Um, but he has. I think he's Pulp Fiction too. He was the guy who like whose house they went to with the dead body. Yeah, and uh, Inglorious Bastards. He's getting scalped. Was he? Yeah, he gets he gets scalped. Oh wow, I didn't even I didn't even realize that. Yeah, and then what a role to write for yourself. <laughs> I mean, he put he plays like minor roles. I think it's just kind of part of his like shtick. You know, it's part okay, of his like yeah, little Tarantino. That. I don't even know if he does he have a cameo appearance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Actually, I don't think he has one there. Yeah. Interestingly uh, enough, because that's his like ode. To, uh, that is like his most. That's the most Tarantino Tarantino movie. Yeah, and I feel like he would have like put himself in there somewhere. But <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you bring up his most recent film because I guess that is the. Yeah, I don't want I mean, to speak of. I don't know. I don't really know what to talk about with the hateful eight because it is so forgetful to me. Like I, <laughs> I there's like one scene that stands out in my mind. I mean, there's a couple of like moments, yeah. but I don't really understand the context or remember the context. It has been six years since I saw this movie one time in theaters. So, mm. um, and I didn't. Re- I remember feeling I didn't enjoy it. So it's pretty forgetful to me. That's a long time to be like. It better come around. <laughs> it better come around. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think it's definitely one of his weaker films. I haven't seen. Obviously, I think we talked about this last time, but I haven't seen what he considers his actual worst movie. Mm, Death Proof. Uh, yep. Death Proof. So. Although I will say with like an asterisk, like, dude, from any other director, I feel like most people would be like, that was an all right flick. Like, mm-hmm. that was cool. But just unfortunately, because he's yeah. had so many good ones, mm-hmm. when you turn to something like that, it's just. Yeah, I, I feel like if this wasn't a Tarantino movie, like people would be like, say this was a up and coming director. It's like their mm-hmm. third movie. People would be like, get this guy more, you know, or absolutely. They, they did a really good job. No, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay. So with that, we'll go to Tarantino's love letter. His most recent film. Yes. I think 2019. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Bud, first off, when did you hear about this? I feel like you told me about it. Um, I don't know. I usually just, you know, every week or so I scan the wires of, uh, film and television news and i just remember seeing that i remember my buddy and i jack were talking about uh mm-hmm. tarantino's next movie 
and because I think we were just like talking about like oh you know what movies are coming out what's our like who what's this director working on who is you know whatever so we get around to Tarantino and I think Jack had mentioned that he's like yeah I just saw that he's he's getting like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio to star in his next movie and he's like going crazy like yo this is gonna be of you know this is like the big hollywood like two of the biggest stars in hollywood you know uh, i forget who he compared it to um but he compared Maybe it like to like niro and pacino yeah i think he did um oh, man. which you know martin scorsese got in the irishman <laughs> mm. and i think he got the well, heat was i think their original crossover yes he was the original crossover i mean martin scorsese is like synonymous with that you know Irish mafia kind of like filmmaker, you know, and I think Martin Scorsese, I'm thinking gangsters. <laughs> You're like, you know, the Irish mafia. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know why. Cause he, I feel like he's done so many movies like that. Um, I mean, Goodfellas and the Irishman. I mean, come on. Yeah. And mean streets. Too, and kind of. even the departed. True. 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 Anyways, this episode I'm sure he has like more. Oh, he does. Taxi driver. Not really. Not really. Kinda, I feel like kind of, the same essence i guess but i guess like goodfellas yeah it's like definitely like anyways this is not a podcast about martin scorsese (laughs) although that will definitely happen one day i agree um but uh back to what i was saying yeah so i was like super excited because like the cast list kept growing for uh once upon a time in hollywood and the only thing that was like said about once upon a time in hollywood is that it took place in like 19 like 60s like the golden age of hollywood and me at that time i was very familiar with tarantino's work at this point i had seen almost every single one of his movies uh when once hearing about once upon a time in hollywood i'm like this is going to be the most tarantino like this is like his you know this is what everything he wants is going to be in once upon a time in hollywood and then you look at the uh the star-studded cast, like you have Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie, Dakota Fanning. Um, who else did they have? Like Laura Luke. Dern's dad was in there. <laughs> you had, um, oh my gosh, I'm like blanking. But uh, uh, who else was in this movie? The dude from Band of Brothers who played Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. I mean, you, you had Al Pacino in this movie, too. Oh, my gosh, dude. I totally forgot. Al Pacino yeah. was in there. You like had the Damian first, like, Lewis scene. in this movie who played Steve McQueen. Is that who you're thinking of? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was talking about. Um, yeah. You had a lot of really, like, big names, at least during that time. Like, Damian Lewis was fresh off of, like, Homeland. I think he was – I mean, he still is in Billions. And that's a good say, yeah. uh, show. And then, like, so he was kind of making a name for himself in, like, television. Um, but, yeah, like, what a star-studded cast. I was super excited for this movie going into it. And it finally came out. I finally learned kind of what it's about. Like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and his stunt double Brad Pitt, who I have to say, I love Brad Pitt in this movie. Dude. Brad Pitt <laughs> is fantastic in this movie. Oh, man. Um, that guy deserved the Oscar for that. He, he really did. Um it was so excellent, but, uh, like, it was just, like, the backdrop of, like, ni- or 1960s Hollywood, or, uh, rather, like, the Sharon Tate kind of, like, murders, mm-hmm. the Manson family murders was the backdrop of, you know, how Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's character are kind of affected in their lives of, like, being in the acting. 
scene. So I was super pumped when I heard about this. I'm like, I cannot wait to see what Tarantino does. But what are your thoughts? What, what did you think? How were you like? What did you think about like going leading up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Were you just as excited? I'm I'm curious to hear. Honestly, well, you were the one who told me that it was Leo and Brad Pitt in the same movie. And I was like, dude, what? So automatically I was hype. And then kind of just, I mean, like you said, so I knew it was going to be about old Hollywood. And I thought, honestly, it might be Tarantino's last film. Like, I knew he wanted to. I felt like, I felt like Hateful Eight was supposed to be his last movie or something. Okay, see, I swore he said eight films. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when they had like eight in the title and I was doing the math and I think it worked out to be eight because if you count Kill Bill as two films. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was actually going to be it. So I was surprised, but I was excited. And then also Margot Robbie, I mean, star on the rise after the Wolf of Wall Street and she was in Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I knew that they cast her as Sharon Tate. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm curious to see how they interweave this in. And like you said, I found out it was about an actor and a stunt double. So I was just curious to see how all the storylines would converge if they were friends with Sharon Tate or how it was. And so I was super hype. And I saw it actually with Laura in theaters. And so um, it was good because movie fan Laura is like a, a, a kind of movie fan. <laughs> Maybe. So, um, no, I just I thought it was a good experience like going into it because I was hype. And she's like, I don't really know what's happening, but mm-hmm. let's go. So it was the perfect, uh, perfect moment. But OK, bud. You're in the theaters. You're watching this come together. What's mm-hmm. going through your head? Well, um, pretty much immediately, I just like everything that like that's kind of like st- the style, the look of the movie is just so great. I, I love how Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, I like their relationships a lot um, in this uh, environment. Like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, we meet him as kind of like a washed up actor. And for some reason, Cliff, Brad Pitt's character, is still kind of hanging around with him. He's like almost his personal butler at this point. Heck yeah. Um, and it's kind of hysterical in that sense. That he's just like, he does all the work around the house. He's like... Um, he drives his car because he has too many DUIs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. He's like, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is an absolute like pathetic person. Um, and he's really selfish. I found like yeah. upon like kind of reflecting on this movie, he's he's really selfish, really self-absorbed, and he's almost kind of removed from the entire plot of the movie. If you kind of like think about it, like Brad Pitt is more in the interwoven and arguably the main character. Bro, I was going to say the exact same mm-hmm. thing. I said that it kind of followed him way more than it followed Leo. But yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like Leo is like kind of. I feel like his character is supposed to be, I don't even really know what exactly. Like, I mean, I guess like it's supposed to, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What do you think Leo's characterization is like? Dude, honestly, I think he's in the passenger seat just going along for the ride. Mm -hmm. When you look at all of the major scenes that he's, it feels like he's not driving the plot. Like, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, I so excited to talk about the ending, but just kind of at the end when like everything's going down, he's literally out on the pool just chilling and doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. someone cl- it's hysterical though. Pool. It's hysterical. Oh, absolutely, it's, a, it's super the, funny. I love the moment when uh, he said he's like self-absorbed. It's such a random like one-off scene which Tarantino is known for. Mm. But when <laughs> when Leo is on set of he's doing like a guest spot on some western, he's playing the the heavy. 
And so there's a little girl who's just reading this, I guess, complicated book, getting into her part. And he's bothering her, and she's like, sir, I'm literally just trying to read. Mm-hmm. And so um, he, 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 I think he opens the book or something, and he starts talking about a story. And she asks him what it's about, and he starts recounting his life under the guise that it's this story. And she's like, oh, that sounds like a sad story. And he's like, I actually think that is the story, years. though. <laughs> I actually book? think that is the story of the book. I think that was like supposed to be kind of like his character is that character, like – you know, just you think that was a truthful. He was actually yeah. No, no I, I actually think the book itself is a metaphor for who Rick Dalton's character is in this movie. Like, oh yeah, yeah no, that's what I'm saying. So he's oh. like describing himself to her. No, no, but like, he, yeah, yeah, he is describing himself to her, but he's actually talking about the book. Oh, so you think it's literally the book that he's like describing? Yeah, I think he's literally talking about the book. I think. I forget what, what book he's reading, but I, I but I think the character in the book is supposed to be a metaphor for the course of Rick Dalton's life. Oh, so you think Tarantino just paralleled it? Yes, and it was causing him to reflect on it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No matter what it was, dude, that was one of the best. <laughs> best. He's like, oh, that's such a sad story. He's like, yeah, he starts like crying. Yeah, he also cried all the time. I love it when he um like messes up on on set and he goes back to his trailer mm-hmm. and he's freaking out he's like you're a freaking alcoholic he's yeah like, no more <laughs> like, i'm never gonna have a drop of alcohol again and like two seconds later he's drinking something i mean <laughs> it was literally everything you'd expect from a tarantino and leo played it perfectly yeah it, it was it was great i mean uh, i'm trying to like think of like the point though like i guess leo's character is supposed to serve as kind of like uh, a secondary story to kind of sh- I-, I don't really know what like what tarantino was trying to say i feel like i need to probably watch the movie again to like really analyze like what exactly like rick dalton like what what tarantino's trying to tell us with uh rick dalton's character but uh, i literally think he's just like he's describing like what it like he's not removed from the movie at all he's not someone who's introspective he's literally just playing the mm-hmm. role like he is a character meant to play the movie out he's not meant to make you think he's literally just living his life within the context of this film and it <laughs> is so entertaining and kind of sad to watch at the same time yeah because like i mean like but the thing is the reason i bring it up because i feel like you know maybe there is something there to maybe like it's a reflection on you know i don't know whatever but it's because he is so far removed from what's actually happening in the plot of the movie like brad pitt drives the actual story forward while we cut back to cliff just kind of struggling in hollywood and having him struggle with his personal addictions and his own failures and like all that other stuff but like it's cliff who is kind of almost like the superhero of this movie right i mean like i remember one scene that he literally parkours up to the roof and like you know has a beer can in his tool belt and he's just like i'm a fear to fix the the freaking cable or the satellite whatever yeah, it is yeah and it's just like it's such a superhero move moment where and then like i guess maybe in a way rick dalton is almost like a, the stark contrast of that where cliff is mm-hmm. like the superhero rick is like an absolute almost dare i say a bottom feeder like you know <laughs> like the opposite of that like uh, somebody who's washed up no longer sees himself as a hero uh, you know, because he used to be back in the day like a big Western movie star uh, or TV star, and like bounty he ball. was a literal hero in that because he was a bounty hunter. And Cliff is the real life version of him in a sense. 
And like, and I love that yeah. he pumps him up. He's like, "You're Rick Dalton," yeah. and it's like, "Bro, why are you? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> why are you giving this man a motivational talk?" <laughs> so I think that's it for me, buddy. Yeah. I'm washed up. <laughs> I'm washed up. <laughs> like, what? just downs oh, more man. and more alcohol. It's just, um, but yeah. So like, what is one of your like favorite scenes? From... Dude, there was like a lot. But I'll say my, one of my favorite scenes, I think the quintessential one for this one, and as you made mention of, at the end of the day, Cliff is kind of the main character. Mm-hmm. So I thought one of the quintessential scenes was when he literally goes to the former movie theater that's now like the Manson family ranch. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to see that guy up there. And everybody, and you're like, bro, what are you doing? Just walk away. And you see yeah. these people starting to come out of these random houses. But like, it says so much about his character that he's like, no. And it's. Once again, the dude is like a complete badass. So yeah, I know. It's like he's just walking well, cash, and the, it's like, and I got to give credit to Brad Pitt because the way his character like delivers these lines, he's like <laughs> with a smile on his face, like, "Well, I'm gonna come in there no matter yeah. what." Like, it's like, you're, so one one or two things are gonna happen. You're gonna let me in, or I kick down this door. Like in the most like the polite with a polite face, he's like, "I'm gonna beat the shit out of all you yep. people if you don't let me see him." Kind of face, like. Oh my god! That Dude, that is like one of my like I think that is a quintessential scene. I think that is like, like the really kind of like setting the who his character is in that moment, mm-hmm. and also is kind of like building up to what this story is because or how it like also like wraps Cliff into intertwined into like kind of Sharon Tate's uh, yes. story. Yes. So, oh man, speaking of Sharon, okay, so. We'll get back to Cliff, but Sharon Tate, what'd you think about the sequences with Margot Robbie just kind of going about her day? Um, you know, I think that was more of an ode in like kind of a, like, a remem- like kind of be like, remember who Sharon Tate is. Um, you know, I, I, I think it was just a nice like little throwback, a nice little, you know, always kind of remember what happened in a sense. Because, uh, you know, to me, from what I remember that movie, she really just. She kind of just goes about her day, as you said. You know, she like goes mm-hmm. in, watches a movie of herself. She's really excited that you know she sees herself on screen. She doesn't have a lot of interaction with a few people. I think she talks to um, somebody who's in the house with her. Uh, Roman Polanski is nowhere to be yeah. seen because of all. Well, obviously, he's still alive and also banned from the United States. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, minor side note. Minor side minor note. Side note. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, but so they don't actually even have anybody playing Roman Polanski. I don't think they did, but like he oh, was in they? maybe two, maybe two scenes. Oh yes, you're right. I do remember somebody actually playing Roman Polanski. Um, yeah, very very brief, very very brief. But I liked it. I just think it was more of a tribute to her, to Sharon Tate. So definitely. And I think, honestly, Tarantino might have been trying to throw us off the trail because you asked the question of why is she in this? Like, yeah. what's going to happen? And you know the you story. Kinda, if you know the story, you know what happens. Like, And so you're like, oh, gosh, is this going to end how I think it's going to mm-hmm. end slash how it did end before? Mm-hmm. But then we get to that final sequence, bud. And yes. I'm just, I'm rolling bump to talk. Okay, Charlie, what did we think about the last scene? It was unexpected. Um, it was a nice little Tarantino twist on, you know, a little like warping from reality into fiction. I mean, the entire story is essentially fiction with like nonfiction elements to it. 
I mean, like Cliff and Rick Dalton are not real people, um, as far as I know. No, I think you're right. <laughs> and uh, but like, yeah, it was a nice little like twist on the story. It's it felt good to kind of like see those entitled Manson like pricks kind of get their, you know, Hippies. absolutely their face stuffed in by. Uh, cliff it's so satisfying and it's just hysterical in a very like dark comedy kind of way yep. uh, because like rick is hot or cliff is high as a kite <laughs> uh, when he's like you know he sees them and he just <laughs> the entire sequence is hysterical because leonardo or rick dalton leo's character is just lounging in the pool when like head like blasting <laughs> yeah. a boombox like headphones on or something with the antenna on the head yeah dude. and like there's just you can kind of hear like background noise and just like people screaming and stuff like that and then uh the entire sequence is hysterical like some woman falls into the pool i think and then yep. like he comes out with a freaking flamethrower <laughs> Dude, I lost it in the theater when I saw that. I was like, oh, literally bringing a literal, like, gun to a knife fight and just proceeded to light her up. I mean, the entire sequence is just absolutely hysterical. It's one of the best moments of the film. Tarantino always caps it off with, like, a violent sequence at the end of his movies, apparently. And and it really is just hysterical. It's, It's weird that I'm laughing at violence, but it is... It is funny. I, there's no other way to put it. It is a funny sequence. It is satisfying. It's really well done. And there's just like these small moments. Because I also forget that Rick Dalton's fiance, wife, or whatever, is also in the house. Yep. yep. <laughs> and they bring her out. And then she like, when they start lighting them up, she punches, I think, one of the mm-hmm. women in the face. Yeah. And then books it back to the uh, her bedroom. But, dude, I just have to say... So I was watching that, and in, in one of the previous scenes, you see Brandy, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, what should I call it? Um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on Rick Dalton and Cl- Cliff Booth? Oh my gosh, Cliff Booth's dog. It's a pit oh bull yeah, yeah. And Brandy, and you're like, this is kind of a jacked like pit bull. Like, what's happening? And then fast forward to that scene, and you're like, oh crap, this guy is high off of this like acid laced cigarette. These people have knives and guns, and they're about to light them up, and we're not going to be able to do anything. And then the dog, like, cues into the fact that people are yeah. outside, and you're like, oh, maybe we got a shot. Like, maybe we're okay. Mm-hmm. But then Cliff is still with it, and he's like, yo, hold up, dog. Not yet. And then he lets her go loose. Dude, uh-huh. I want a pit bull now just to have that. Just <laughs> like, train it no. to devour yep. your intruders. My enemies, yes. The enemies. <laughs> My enemies. <laughs> um... <laughs> I love he's like I was like you're that kid with a really stupid name. <laughs> it's like no no it was dumber than that. <laughs> Rex, right? Rex, right. No, <laughs> That's right. Tax. Tax. <laughs> um, he said I'm here to do the I'm the devil here to do those work and they lit him up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I just love the entire like sequence after where like Rick Dalton's character goes next door. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah. Burned it through a crisp. <laughs> I, uh, like he was the man out yeah. there, dude. Burned it through a crisp. <laughs> One of the best lines in the entire movie. That was One so funny. It was movie. so great. 
Oh, my gosh. And my dad actually pointed it out because I watched it originally in theaters and then I rewatched it with him not too long ago. And he said, you know, it's good to see at the end that uh, Rick actually gets in play and goes up and meets Sharon Tate because the hope was that now in this universe, that relationship will allow him to get more gigs in the United States, which mm-hmm. then means that Cliff gets to get more gigs. So basically, at the end of the day, it's good for everybody. So yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I didn't think about that. But mm-hmm. hopefully that is how it goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely... I think I thought about that when I saw it. Like, oh, now he's going to be kind of like a big movie star because, uh, like, he kind of found his purpose at the end of the day. Like, you know, he he saved himself from mm. being a washed-up actor because now he gets to meet with Sharon Tate and who, you know, is notably was dating Roman Polanski at the time, a big hotshot director. Um, yeah, I think they were married at the time. I think they were. Yeah, yeah. I think they yep, were. So. Goodness. Yeah, Roman Polanski. What a life that guy's lived. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, there's like some stand-up comic who has a joke about Roman Polanski, and it's really funny. Um, and he's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to like say it because I don't remember it too well, but it's something like Roman Polanski is a like, you know, Oscar winning film director, uh, had his wife and child murdered and also like and like raped a 12 year old and he's like and then the comedian's like i'd be fine with just one of those things oh my god (laughs) i don't even remember what no i don't i don't want to say that oh my god it's something it's something like that it's just like i don't even know it's something really dark like that but it's really funny that i probably butchered it it's probably like none of (laughs) the above so it is something like that though oh my god <laughs> that's that dark <laughs> that dark comedy <laughs> oh man is, no dude like i oh you're good you're good no I, I i just i thoroughly i thoroughly enjoyed once upon a time in hollywood yeah. that was fuego for me mm-hmm. oh man i guess honestly that dot dot for now that's all we got with tarantino yeah. Mind you, they said that possibly in the works are a Kill Bill Part 3. Yes. But I know he also said he wanted to maybe do a horror flick, but he also said he only wanted to do one more. So He always says he wants to do one more. I, you know, Tarantino loves making movies way too much. You know, I don't really think Tarantino is going to stop making movies until he literally probably can't make movies anymore. Or, well, like he just doesn't, or, or he doesn't have good ideas. But I would love to see a Tarantino horror movie. I would too. Like, I'm how like, I do mean, you think that would play out? Knowing Tarantino's like over exaggerated style, like, dude, I literally think there will be so much blood that that will have to be a huge part of the budget. <laughs> Couple that with the fact that <laughs> there's gonna be that one person who knows they're basically in a scary movie and is like, guys, why are we doing this? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And that one person's like, doesn't know they're in a scary movie. He's like, no, we should go towards the sound in the basement. And I would love to see how he played them off of each other because uh, yeah, I wonder if he would do like a jump scare kind of mm. like movie. Because I personally think jump scare horror movies suck. It's like the mainstream, oh, like you know, horror movies that are good are things like uh, Hereditary. Never saw it. Mm, you should. You should. I uh, I like to sleep. It's <laughs> off at night, and I'm scared. We should I do an episode it. on Ari Aster. We have to go and watch Hereditary Midsummer. in Midsummer. 
I saw that recommended to me on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, not yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I've actually there. not seen Midsummer yet, and I've heard it is extremely disturbing, which is funny because I thought Hereditary was also extremely disturbing. Oh, would you look at that? Same director. <laughs> seems like there's a theme here. It seems like there's a theme of extremely disturbing content from Ari Aster. Um, <laughs> I wonder what his childhood was like. <laughs> You know, funny enough, I think he actually said that Hereditary was not originally supposed to be a horror movie. It was supposed to be about a family drama, and then, like, he kind of turned it into a horror movie. Oh, <laughs> naturally, mm. naturally. I mean, at the end of the day, it kind of is a family drama with a horror twist. Um, so, it's... <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that's like, oh my gosh, that's like saying that I can't even pull, I can't even pull a reference out now, but... Saying something wild, I'll say it like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for whatever Tarantino does next. I always am. Uh, yep. You know, we're we're not really sure what he's working on. I don't know if he has like there's like some project that we know that he's working on. Uh, let's see, actually, if he is working on anything. Going into the queue. Oh, wait. Kill Bill Volume 3 is announced? Oh, it, it, it's it's a go? It's a green light? Who said it? Who said it? I don't know, but... I'm gonna, I'm gonna is it Screen Rant or is it IGN? Oh, There's it's a apparently on IMDB that... Um, oh, okay. It's kind of legit. Kind of official. Uh, did my camera just go out? Uh-oh. That's okay. We were close enough. We were almost at the end of... Uh, uh, we're basically at the end here. We've talked about all the movies. Um, but is there anything else you want to discuss with Tarantino? Just that, I mean, dude, he's master dialogue, pulls out some of the most like random, obscure characters, but they relate back to either something within his own universe or the real world. So I respect that. And you can tell just through and through in his films that this man loves movies. He loves pop culture mm -hmm. and i'm glad to see that you know a movie nerd slash pop culture nerd hit it big and is doing big things you know always always good to see that yeah yeah me too you know i i you know it's it's always fun watching tarantino movies just because of like how movie-esque they are you know like and he and as you said it's it's so clear within the style of movies that this is a, a cinephile through and through but anyways, that's been our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been the What You Got Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Bud. Joined with me, as always, is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Uh, make sure you follow us wherever you're listening to your podcasts. We have new episodes that come out every Monday evening. Be sure to follow us on social media. Palmer, why don't you give them the social media? All righty there, bud. You all can follow us on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Twitter at What You Got Cast, which is spelled the same way. And we'll be uploading these podcasts to YouTube. I'm apologizing. I, I promised last week that I would have uploaded part one to YouTube the next day, um, but I just couldn't get around to it. I apologize. It's just it's a new territory for us to put it on YouTube, but this time I will be uploading, or rather, we will be uploading parts one and two to YouTube, and we will tweet it out. So be sure to follow us on social media. 
so you can be well aware on where to find us on YouTube if you're looking for a little bit of visuals. So anyways, that's our show. We'll see you guys next week.